Conrad, would you like to make $100,000? Yes, I would love to make $100,000, Guy. Bring it. What, what, are, what are you offering singing? me today? Can you sing? Let's put it this way. No one is going to pay me 100 k People may pay me a dollar to shut up. Saying, I do not sing in public. I know you do. One of my favorite pics of you is dropping some beats. That's a, that is a great, great photograph of you. I do not sing in public. Never have, never will. But would you for $100,000? Again, we're going back to the talent. I would do it, but I don't think anyone's going to pay me for it. What would it take? I know the answer here. What would it take for me to get $100,000 for singing, Guy? Uh, John Morgan is offering $100,000 if you win his jingle contest. So I've seen this around the web. Where can we learn more about this? And more importantly, just to get right into the marketing, why is he doing this? Well, you go to morganjingle.com and there's a lot of reasons he's doing it. Here we are talking about it, right? He's, the reason he's doing it is so that Conrad and Gee and the three other people that listen to us will talk about it. Are we going to link to the John Morgan jingle? We might have to. I feel okay. compelled to. If you guys would like to debut your jingle... On Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, please submit it to us. And and if we get something outlandish... <laughs> You're hijacking the jingle contest? Game on. We can preview the jingle and get feedback. Okay. We should do a LHLM jingle contest. <laughs> no, we're not, we already decided we're not changing it. Money makes the world go around, baby. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe we could have just people sing that. What are we talking about today, Conrad? We're going to talk about some news coming out of Google that has all the SEOs pulling their hair out. We're going to go over, courtesy of recent experience from my good friend Guy, dumb shit lawyers do with bad agency contracts. As a preview, I'm going to try to push, bully, cajole, and otherwise incite Guy into sharing the agency contract that we'll be reviewing. And finally, and I am really excited about this because I've had a lot of really good conversations about this. If, if I could do one thing and one thing only, it would be talking about positioning for lawyers with Lunch Hour Legal Marketing 101. But now, let's listen to our jingle. Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, teaching you how to promote, market, and make fat stacks for your legal practice here on Legal Talk Network. You know, I know it's not him singing the song, but I swear that sounds like Lawrence Coletti. <laughs> Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Before we get started, we wanted to thank our sponsors, Law Yaw, Alert Communications, and Clio. Okay, folks, let's do some news. Gee. Coming out of Mountain View, Google is making the lives of SEOs miserable yet again by rewriting title tags. Guy, can you tell me what a title tag is and why we care or do we care about Google's changes when how they're handling title tags? The title tag is an HTML tag that lives between the brackets title and end title. And it's the title of your page. It's what Google has traditionally used as the link text in their 10 blue links in a search result. And what are they doing now? Now they seem to be mostly using your H1 tag, but they're essentially rewriting your title tag. They've done this before, 
but they're doing it much more system-wide now. In fact, I think I've seen reports of up, up to 80% of title tags being rewritten. Now, they do say that it's not impacting rankings. I don't know if I believe that, but you know that's what they say. But I think the two big things to think about. One is, if you don't have H1 tags on your site, I think it's going to be the Wild West of wherever they serve. I don't know how they're going to make that decision. You know, they use their fancy math. They'll probably get it wrong. Um, but two, and, you know, this is my, you know, put my tinfoil hat on here. Uh, actually, I don't even think you need to say it's tinfoil hat anymore. The engagement with your listing in Google is likely to be impacted by this because, What's in your title tag is that was one of the things that you can influence to grab people's attention. So, you know, if you if you have a city plus your practice area plus lawyer and that turns into like your H1 tag, which might be free consultation, that's going to impact the user in terms of whether or not they're going to click. And to me, if it impacts engagement, it impacts rankings. So. The SEO community is kind of going bananas over this because, you know, there are a lot of people who spend a lot of time optimizing, rewriting, testing, testing. this title tag versus that title tag. It's kind of been thrown out the window for us. They're taking a tool out of our toolkit, correct? That's what it sounds like. And, you know, again, I think it's still early on this, but some of the reports I've seen is like they're not doing it as aggressively for larger sites. So, you know, I, we talk about this all the time, and it gives a little bit of deference to Google. They got a big job organizing the world's information, and they come across sites all the time where either title tags are like grossly manipulated or missing or gobbledygook, or it's just, you know, home is the one I love to see. It's just home because that's what the default title tag is, I think, in WordPress. But the point is, is that, you know, their goal is, well, their real goal is to sell ads, but their secondary goal is to deliver great results for their search users. And so if a bunch of the websites on the web have title tags that really don't describe what the page is about, they feel compelled to rewrite the title tag to make it better from their perspective of course, you know, what's better from their perspective doesn't always line up and the machine isn't quite as intuitive as a human being yet. And so, you know, SEOs and people that have relied on organic search traffic are frustrated because it's like, you know, you have these title tags that are, as you mentioned, are carefully crafted to compel eyeballs and clicks and conversions. And now they're rewriting those and you're like, wait, I just did all this work and now it's showing up like this. And now, oh, I just noticed my click-through rate went down. That's, I think, going to be the real test, right? Do click-through rates go down for pages that Google writes versus the pages human writes? My guess is yes, but TBD, I suppose. Yeah, we will find out. And I think it probably depends on how much time you spent optimizing your title tags for those those, those click-throughs, right? Yeah, it sure will beat home. <laughs> <laughs> Hello world. Hello World's a classic. Actually, you know what's funny? It, Hello me. World, I think it's the default H1, so I think it actually would that's, also populate Hello World. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for those of you who don't know, Hello World is the default page in uh, WordPress. So some of you who have a Hello World site, like you're doing it all wrong. Okay, speaking of doing it all wrong, my favorite segment ever is Dumb Shit Lawyers Do. And this one is brought to you by my co-host, Guy Takalakis. I would like you to read the language. What I really want you to do is, read, is tell us who the agency is, but we'll have to have a couple scotches before you let that one slip. But I would like you to read the language of one of your new clients. The previous agency's contract includes what? 
heinous stipulation, Alex. Yes. For the record, not our contract, even though I've been accused that our contracts are draconian. People have said that to me, which I think is funny. But anyway, uh, here's the language. If client fails to pay any monthly payment within 10 days of its due date, agency may terminate their ongoing optimization service. Client understands that if his service has been terminated, the optimization will be removed and site rankings in the search engines will fall. You want me to keep reading this? Uh, is, does it get worse? I mean, it's a, you know, client agrees not to overwrite the optimization. If you overwrite it, placement guarantee is voided. So they got placement guarantee in there. There's a place, there's a guarantee? Yeah. Client understands that agency reserves the right to remove the optimization from the website at its discretion in order to place with a company requesting subscribe to agency. So I don't even know what that one means. Well, but they're proactively removing work that they have done. They're going to undo it. I mean, I have a question on this. Is this, you can go back to the the history of this. By the way, this is stupid across the board. (laughs) I mean, it's it's stupid. Here's my thing. Here's my thing that's funny to me about it. So you do all this work and then the client quits and now you're going to spend more time time. undoing it. Like, well, maybe they have like, there's going to restore to a previous version, right? Well, so I here's my question, Guy. If this is in there, I mean, you and I have this. Once or twice a year, I get that law firm who walks away from a bunch of money that they owe us and with a middle finger, and you're like, it's hard not to take that personally. Do you feel that this contract here is in the like, hey, I'm walking away with money owed in order to compel you to actually pay that money? Or do you think this is just a like sour grapes? This is like the worst case of me trying to hold on to a client. Well, I don't think you, I, I, gosh, I hope that clients aren't staying with this kind of stuff. But, you know, think about this. You're the client here. You're 10 days late on your payment. This company is going to be like, I'm going back and undoing all the work that we've done. You know, one, I think too, like, you know, this goes back to something we talk about all the time, which is if this is in your contract, you're renting your SEO updates, right? right? You're renting (laughs) your title tags because they apparently own them and are going to switch them back. Yeah, this is the same as not owning your domain, right? That's an right. old, old, dirty trick brought to you by some of the big providers and some of the smaller providers. Old um, is, and still existing. Yeah, gross. You have a you have a whole thing about contracts, right? You help people get out of their contracts, right? I don't help. I wouldn't even encourage people to. I just I literally just had this conversation. So uh, I had this conversation right before we recorded this. I was talking about a guy who's working with Fine Law, and I said, "When when is your contract up?" And he said, "Well, they keep coming back and selling me different things at different terms. So like, I have you know three or four different contracts that all expire at different points in the year. So I'm not sure when my relationship with Fine Law ever actually ends. Right? Have you ever been sued by a competitor for this? Have I ever been sued by a competitor or cease and desist?" Have I ever received, I've received cease and desist. And the reason you know I've received cease and desist is because as soon as I get them, I post them. They're my Which favorite thing. Which I love thing. about you. So send Conrad a cease and desist. If, if you want backlinks to your website, send me a cease and desist letter. Ask lawyers of distinction about my joy of posting their cease and desist letters. But to, I think what you're, you're asking me obliquely, see, Guy pushes me obliquely and it still works. <laughs> Fine Law has never sent me a cease and desist letter for my escape Fine Law guide. Although I did, when I published that, I did watch 
with a level of interest the traffic from I, I want to say Egan. Eastern Minnesota, Egan, Minnesota, just blew up that day. But no, I haven't heard from them. But, but mainly because uh, they know I would publish it because um, they don't visit and- your website. <laughs> Actually, you know that they do. I I, I definitely know that they do. I, you know, my, my thing about all this stuff is, is what a terrible way to create a relationship with your clients. I mean, can you imagine if people, I mean, I, sadly, I'm sure that, that we can find really terrible contract language with uh, the attorney-client relationship as well. But, you know, it all comes back to the same thing. Like, if you see this kind of thing in an agreement, number one, did you even read the agreement? Because my, my chances are, yeah. I think a lot of these lawyers don't even read them, which is, again, another episode for another day. Like, dumb stuff lawyers do, not reading the agreements when they're lawyers. But, you know, you should just see this and be like, if you're not going to build anything on trust here because they're trying to got you at every corner, right? You're 10 days late, we're going to undo the work. 10 days late, we own your domain, we're going to take your website down. 10 days late, we're going to keep your Google Ads account. Like, what? Content, all the stuff. Your agency is working on your stuff and their relationship should be defined as such. And and this is just I mean, it's appalling. I are you gonna show the agency that can you you wanna you wanna name names? I haven't had any scotch today, so no, I'm not. I mean, my, my, what good does it do, right? Like they're they're not the no, only it ones. Does I'm it. Sure no, doing no, don't this. throw don't give me that bullshit. Because it does do good You're all about name pe- and shame. Well, I mean, come on. Like like if you're gonna play this game. This should be on the homepage of your website, right? People yeah. should know that this is what you do and how you think about your clients. And if you're not going to do that, which you won't, like, we damn well should. Like, this is garbage. It just aggravates the crap out of me. I'm hoping by not naming the firm that all of our listeners are going and pulling up their agreements and Go looking read your in contracts. their agreements to see if there's this language. And I'm sure you'll find all sorts of other fun stuff in there. And by the way, if you're pulling up your agreement and you want to send it to us, please do, because oh, yeah. we would love to read contract language on our podcast. Send us some awful contracts, and we will read it by all means. Yeah. I, do you know what I have in our contract? We have a $450 negotiation fee. If you don't like our contract, which is heavily skewed in your favor, here's my negotiation fee if you would like to redline that contract. And Have you ever had to abuse that? Yeah. Yeah. And every time I've tried to use it, the prospective client has gone away, which right. is like they're no longer this a prospective point, client. Right? Yeah, exactly. Because if you want to negotiate something that's so heavily in your favor, we're probably not the right fit for you. Like you should be able to see that. There you go. Anything else on contracts? Oh, we could go on and on. But as you know, I'm not an attorney. We're out so of time. I'd be, I'd be <laughs> talking out of church. Fair enough. Let us now move to our legal trends report brought to you by Clio. I guess technically it's the Legal Trends Report Minute, hence the ticking and the talking. Can we do this in one minute? That's right. Here is our big number from our Legal Trends Report this week, this episode. 58% of surveyed legal services consumer respondents said that technology was more important to them now than before the pandemic in the context of working with a legal professional, from what I understand. So, you know, we talk about this all the time. We've talked about it in other contexts. But if you're not convinced that technology is table stakes for clients now, more than it's ever been, there you go. Six out of 10 people 
say it's more important now than it was two years ago. And I mean, most of the technology pieces that Clio has been feeding us have been about law firms do better when they use technology, which is A, a no-brainer, but B, important for us to focus on. But this is a marketing thing, right? Like people care. People care that I can talk to you on Zoom easily. People care that you can make payments online. People care that you're you look functional from a tech perspective. Like it's part of the expectation. I mean, it's 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 not a surprise, but it is a marketing. We're gonna get into positioning in a second. We can tie this back to this, but it is a marketing advantage. And I don't think many of you are thinking about embracing technology on the consumer side, showing that you're embracing technology on the consumer side as a marketing advantage. And yet it clearly is. Yeah. And if you need another example of yet another example of this, pull out your phone, do a little search for whatever type of lawyer you are near me, look at the local pack listings. And I bet you some of them say things like online appointments available, right? And then think about it. If you're a legal services consumer, and you're COVID conscious, who are you going to pick? You're not going to just going to necessarily pick the number one lawyer. You might pick the one that actually has technology enabled services, book an online appointment, delivering online services, don't have to come to our office to sign documents or a retainer or to have a conversation. That's a huge competitive advantage. And the key here is a lot of you may be doing those things in your firm but you're not demonstrating in the blink of an eye that that's how you operate. And that's where this becomes a marketing advantage. Good point. To learn more about the unique advantages that solo attorneys have over other law firms and much more for free, download Clio's Legal Trends Report for solo law firms at clio.com forward slash solo. That's Clio spelled C-L-I-O. Let's take a break. As the largest legal-only call center in the U.S., Alert Communications helps law firms and legal marketing agencies with new client intake. Alert captures and responds to all leads 24-7, 365 as an extension of your firm in both English and Spanish. Alert uses proven intake methods, customizing responses as needed, which earns the trust of clients and improves client retention. To find out how Alert can help your law office, call 866 827 5568 or visit alertcommunications.com forward slash LTN. No one cites routine drafting as the reason they chose to become a lawyer, but that's where a lot of time goes for solo practitioners and small firms. LawYaw can help you transform your existing Word documents into reusable templates with no coding required. Save time and avoid errors with intuitive features like conditional logic. Use a tool that empowers your experience and expertise. Learn more at lawyaw.com. That's L-A-W-Y-A-W.com. Okay, class. Come on in. Have a seat, everyone. Welcome back. It's back to school time. Welcome back to another edition of LHLM 101. As you know, I'm your illustrious professor, Guy Sakalakis. And with me today, as always, is my favorite teacher's pet, Conrad. Conrad, 
Say hello. Hi there, Mr. Sakalakis. How are you? Welcome back. Back to school. Today's topic is positioning. All right. So positioning, let's go, like, what does Wikipedia say positioning means? Let's go to the source, the internet. All right, here we go. Positioning is the place that a brand occupies in the minds of the customers and how it is distinguished from the products of the competitors and different from the concept of brand awareness. All right. So different from the concept of brand awareness. We're going to get into that. This has been rolling around the web recently a lot, and I like it because it's it's a little less academic sounding and it's more instructive. To me, the definition of positioning, marketing is asking someone out. Positioning is why they say yes, right? And you know, your Wikipedia piece talked about the difference between branding and positioning. I think this is really important. Because I think they're frequently conflated. And a lot of times, actually, I'm curious, two days ago, I had a conversation about branding, right? And I think what the client was really talking about was positioning. I think these, these concepts are frequently conflated in the minds of lawyers. Do you frequently have discussions about positioning or branding? Well, I, you know, branding is kind of like the marketing buzzword du jour. And I think positioning is starting to enter that space. I, you know, the condition, I, I frame it, you know, and this is, you know, just hat tip to Matt Homan. He had this thing, I think he was calling it the haiku of what you do. I think it's uh, still online if you look for it. But, you know, when I'm, when I'm thinking through this, you start with the who you help, the how you help them and the why you're uniquely qualified to help them. And the positioning to me is that last one. It's the why you're uniquely qualified to help. It's the thing that, um, you know, that really sets you apart. You know, EOS talks about the three uniques. You know, David C. Baker, who we both love, has a whole book about positioning. Uh, You know, he talks horizontal positioning, vertical positioning in the context of creative firms. I think there's a lot of application for lawyers, but it's the why you're different. What makes you different? Like, you know, for us, we're digital marketing agencies. Well, that's not positioning. Right. So there you go. So, I mean, there's all flavors of different types of positioning. One of the most obvious ones is first, best, or most, right? Are you the biggest? Have you been around forever? Or are you the best, right? Can you genuinely live in one of those worlds, those different positions? You know, with branding, it's logo, typeface, colors, those types of things that, that people have a familiarity with. People talk about brand recall, right? Is there a familiarity there? Positioning is really, you know, I'll use Red Bull. I've never drank a Red Bull in my life. But Red Smart. Bull is the brand. It's got the bull. It's got the silver and the circle. Like everyone recognizes what that is. Their positioning, however, is around extreme sports, right? And frankly, liquids and extreme sports have nothing to do with each other. But they have have leaned into that community and that aspirational community of people who are into that as their positioning. And so they're very, very different. In legal, you know, there's we we were just talking about technology. Some of the positioning for a law firm could be, we are so easy to work with because we adopt technology, right? There's uh, Jeannie Mucklestone out of Seattle who does her entire business of traffic tickets. And her whole thing is you'll never talk to us. You'll never come into us. It is all done online. And it's just seamless, right? And that is a great position because it, it's different. It's a differentiator. Yeah. And I, and I think... Um uh, you know, David C. Bayer talks about this. Uh, EOS talks about it. It's all the parts 
that people can't copy? Like, what do you do that truly other people either can't do ideally? I mean, that's the ideal one, right? Because that's the best positioning is, is it can't be copied. But if you can't come up with something that's unique to that degree, what are you doing that very few of your competitors are doing? I think Baker says, you know, around if you can identify a couple hundred competitors, then maybe you're in the right spot. But, you know, if you're a criminal defense lawyer, for example, a criminal defense lawyer, that's not positioning, right? <laughs> you can call it your practice what you area. Do. Yeah. What you do, that's the how you help. You help with criminal defense. You help people deal with criminal defense issues. But why are you uniquely qualified? You know, I noticed you put up there the ex-prosecutor who's not a criminal defense lawyer. That's an interesting one. I actually think that that's more common. You know, I think if you're like ex-prosecutor, the technology-enabled ex-prosecutor, now you think you're going a little bit deeper. But um, the other th- I think, too, if you're kind of playing around with this at home, the way Baker articulates this is, is like there's kind of two different things you can do. There's vertical positioning. So that might be like we only help, you know, Spanish-speaking people dealing with car accidents Oh, I'm sorry. I already screwed up. The horizontal positioning would be car accidents, right? So it'd be like Spanish-speaking people that are dealing with serious injuries from a car accident. That's a little closer. That's not only that's a great example, but I think that kind of at least shows you the the idea of vertical and horizontal. So vertical is like the demographic that you're serving. Horizontal is the service that you're providing and, and going deep on that. And, you know, let me ask you a question. Let me say a classic PI comment is we won more money. Millions recovered. So does everybody. Yes. <laughs> is that positioning or branding? Has, is there any PI lawyer that puts that they win less than millions of dollars on their website? Like yeah. who? That would actually be interesting positioning. We win thousands of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Our clients have recovered tens. We lose on the regular. But uh, my point being, I mean, I see this all day long, right? Right. That's not positioning Most, then. So the question, Guy. Or it's not good positioning. We're talking about positioning and branding and appealing to the consumer. Does that fall flat? Yeah. I mean, does it fall flat? I don't know. My thing is, is like, you should be striving to set yourself apart. I mean, how many times on this show, and you and I talk about this all the time, I mean, there's more lawyers per capita in the United States than there's anywhere in the world. I don't know. Actually, I haven't checked an update on that number. We should double check. We'll get our uh, fact checkers on that one. But uh, (laughs) the point is, like, you don't even need to check the facts, right? You drive down the highway in South Florida or you flip open your, um, you know, I don't know, any social media app. Tons of lawyers everywhere. Lawyer, 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 lawyer ads, TV. You got lawyer ads if you're watching your afternoon television programs. We know that there's tons of lawyers. If you're just saying, I'm a personal injury lawyer, you're answering your phone, I'm a personal injury lawyer, whatever you're doing, that you're not thinking about positioning at all. Yeah. So when you say fall flat, what do you mean? I just think you're, you're part of the background. I mean, it doesn't resonate, right? Like, do people right. actually care? And my gut tells me that they really, that is not a distinguishing factor in making you a reason I would hire you, Right. I don't see it as being a differentiator because everyone has a number. The numbers are different. But I mean, you could argue that I said first, best, or most, right? So that, that may fall into the most. Morgan & Morgan has done this, I think, kind of crassly, but it's it's clear. Bigger is better, right? Yeah, well, I, I'll say this. I, I worked at a firm that actually did hold, at one point in time, the biggest 
verdict for a particular type of case. Okay. And so they were the only ones who could say that. So in that respect, most was positioning there. I don't know if, I don't know how compelling it was, but people like winners. I think the point here is like those number games that the lawyers talk about, I think it is most, it mostly resonates with the lawyers in comparing themselves against each other. And Morgan's flipped that and used an asset, which is size, right? Bigger is better, right? As opposed to a dollar figure. And I think that's the difference between saying something that your audience doesn't really care about and positioning yourself with something that they do care about, right? The value of size there. It's also interesting though, is Morgan the largest personal injury law firm in the world? I don't know, which is interesting, right? Because if your positioning is not Fact true, checkers, someone get on this. And what size there? Is it just number of attorneys that we're talking about? Or is it dollars? <laughs> or is it one? TV ad spend? <laughs> it's, right? no, it's, it's GMBs in various cities. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I'm not sure that even Morgan would. would I suspect the, the largest law firm by GMBs in number of cities is some dude in Russia, uh, in Russia <laughs> cranking out GMV locations. That's right. They should use bigger is better in their league. That's game. a whole different conversation. So, I mean, other positionings. You can be the most expensive lawyer, right? Like, that's a great positioning. We're more expensive because we're better, right? There's a there's frequently a association. I mean, think about how people buy watches and cars, right? There's frequently an association with quality, as well as cost, right? There, whether that's accurate or not is is thought about. One of my favorite examples on positionings, Byron Brown. I think Byron Brown is out of Utah. He, if you go to antilawyer.com, you will get a great lesson in position. He's not a client of mine. I actually, when I saw his stuff initially, I tracked down who did his work. And it's it's not a law firm marketing agency. I don't think, in fact, I had this conversation. I don't think there are any legal specific branding positioning agencies out there that I know of. Oh, I think there are. Like that that's all they do? Yeah. On the consumer law side? Oh, yeah. All right. But, you know, what kind of things can we tell? So folks, you're a uh, immigration lawyer, criminal defense lawyer, plaintiff lawyer, sitting here listening to us rant about this stuff. What kind of tips do we have? I, I mean, my thing is, I come back to the EOS stuff. Do the exercise of three uniques. What are three things taken together that make you truly different from the overwhelming majority of your competitors. And I think the other thing too is, is like part of this is like an identity thing. Like what can you truly do that's unique instead of just being like, you know, I work harder, I'm more experienced, I win more money. Like, no, I can show you 10 different websites in 20 seconds that say all those things. What can you truly do that's unique? And the other thing that I would say is, you know, remember positioning is not just about the cases that you might take, it's about how you're going to the market to distinguish yourself. And so the point there is, is that people get confused where they're like, well, if I say I'm the Spanish-speaking car accident attorney for Chicago, then people that don't speak Spanish are never going to contact me. And I I don't think that that's uh, exactly right. So I like to think of it in the context of what truly makes you unique How deep can you go down in a very targeted demographic and service offer and let that, you know, permeate everything you do? What kind of tips do you have for an exercise to tease out your positioning? So, I mean, one of the things that you said that I think is really important 
is this fear that if you position yourself for something that you're going to lose the rest, right? There's a great book on service marketing by a guy named Harry Beckwith. I've, I've mentioned this book probably on one out of every four or five podcasts. Uh, it's called Selling the Invisible. One of Harry's quotes that I've used over and over again is if you narrow your focus, you broaden your appeal. Meaning that the more specialized you are, the more people want to, and, and specialized can be in a, a position, it doesn't need to be like tactically within the practice of law, but the more narrowly you focus, and this is why this is why Guy and I run a legal marketing agency. I mean, how many times have people asked me, why do you not go into doctors? Why don't you go into plumbing, right? Like, because I have no business being in plumbing or doctors, right? We only work with lawyers, right? And that is important to a lot of our clients. So as you narrow your focus, you broaden your appeal. In terms of things that I would do, how much of who you are matters to your audience, right? So if you're an immigration attorney, did you go through that path yourself? If you're in a family attorney, have you gone through that divorce journey yourself? Like that's an easy one, right? And it's not that like lots of immigration attorneys haven't done that, but like lean into where did you come from? What was the experience, right? That whole who you are, just lean into the who you are. Another one that's really important, and this is not practice area. This is like depth of expertise in something that is very, very specific. And I'll use Beckwith again as an example for that. You want the person who is positioned as the expert in the hardest thing to handle your humdrum case, right? And I'll use medical. You're very, very happy to have the brain surgeon do the stitches on your arm, right? Because presumably putting in a couple stitches is really easy compared to brain surgery. Now that may or may not actually be the case, but that very, very clear depth of expertise in something that is extremely advanced can be a great positioning. And so think about where you can be there and just be different. Try and be, I mean, the counterpoint is if you have leather bound books, like the books behind Guy's head right now, as I'm looking at him in the video conference. Great books of the Western world. Okay, so so it, it's not uh, Martindale's uh, Leatherbound Books? No. <laughs> um, Leatherbound Books, Gavels, uh, Scales of Justice with their top falling off, like all of those things, white columns. Actually, here's the, here's the key. Your positioning is not, I'm a lawyer. Most of you try and use accoutrements to convince people that you're a lawyer. That is not positioning, right? They already know you're a lawyer. Why you? All right, class is out. Ring that bell, Lockwood. Um, there it is. Thanks again so much. Hit us up on the hashtag LHLM on Twitter and the other socials. Leave us a review. And again, we hope you enjoyed this. We hope that you go a little bit deeper on your positioning. And if you need to get stitches, get a plastic surgeon to give them, not a brain surgeon. Until next time, Guillen Conrad, Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Thank you for listening to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. If you'd like more information about what you heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Follow Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. 
The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, or subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.